This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, Physician Healthcare Visits for Mental Health and Substance Use During the COVID-19 Pandemic in Ontario, Canada, is in JAMA Network Open. With the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic, physicians face specific occupational stressors, such as a potentially greater risk of exposure to SARS-CoV-2, inadequate personal protective equipment, rapid practice changes, including loss of income, and high, at times overwhelming, workloads. In this population-based cohort study of over 34,000 physicians in Ontario, Canada, the rate of outpatient visits for mental health and substance use increased on average by 13% per physician during the first 12 months of the pandemic compared to the prior 12 months. These findings suggest that the COVID-19 pandemic is associated with greater mental health services use among physicians. Next is a study in BMC Psychiatry titled High Smoking and Low Cessation Rates Among Patients in Treatment for Opioid and Other Substance Use Disorders. This Norwegian study explored smoking rates and cessation among patients receiving substance use disorder outpatient or inpatient treatment. Patients receiving treatment in the outpatient setting reported opioids as their primary substance. The inpatient group reported stimulants and cannabis. The study found a very high prevalence of smoking among patients entering treatment and a low cessation rate one year after admission. Higher age and being an outpatient versus inpatient treatment was negatively associated with tobacco cessation. A new article in Science Advances is titled, Mindfulness-Induced Endogenous Theta Stimulation Occasions Self-Transcendence and Inhibits Addictive Behavior. In this study, 165 long-term opioid users with chronic pain were randomly assigned to receive a series of mindfulness meditation sessions or supportive group psychotherapy. Mindfulness meditation sessions resulted in significantly greater reductions in opioid misuse compared to supportive group psychotherapy in a nine-month follow-up. Furthermore, EEGs were obtained that showed significantly greater increases in frontal midline theta wave activity in the mindfulness meditation sessions group compared to the supportive psychotherapy group. Mindfulness meditation also produced a significantly greater increase in self-transcendent experiences, such as ego dissolution and affective bliss. The decrease in opioid misuse was correlated with the increase in theta activity. Next, we have an article in Nature Communications titled Reduced Alcohol Preference and Intake After Fecal Transplant in Patients with Alcohol Use Disorder is Transmissible to Germ-Free Mice. This study of patients with alcohol use disorder and cirrhosis demonstrated that fecal microbiota transplants could produce short-term reductions in alcohol craving and consumption. The study took pooled stool samples from the human study pre- and post-fecal transplant and administered them to mice. The study found that mice with the transplant consumed less than half the amount of alcohol than mice who were administered stool pre-fecal transplant. 
The study also found over 800 genes that were expressed differently in the intestines of post-fecal transplant mice compared to pre-fecal transplant mice. These genes regulate the intestinal barrier, immune response, inflammation, and other functions. The results reflect the importance of gut microbiota in alcohol use disorder. A new article in JAMA Network Open is titled Analysis of U.S. County Characteristics in Clinicians with Waivers to Prescribe Buprenorphine After Changes in Federal Education Requirements. In 2021, the U.S. federal government eliminated educational requirements for waivers to prescribe buprenorphine to 30 or fewer patients. This cross-sectional study found that waiver growth during the first year after the federal education exemption was modest and concentrated among urban counties, as well as counties with high baseline levels of clinicians with waivers. Although most growth occurred in urban areas, APN and PA waivers accounted for more than 70% of rural growth. The next article, titled Underrepresentation of Key Demographic Groups in Opioid Use Disorder Trials, is in Drug and Alcohol Dependence Reports. In this study, the authors compare patient representation in three comparative effectiveness trials to patients in real-world treatment from the treatment episode dataset. The study found that 10.7% of patient subgroups receiving medications for opioid use disorder were not represented in the trials. After excluding pregnancy, 8.3% were not represented. In addition, the study found that older-aged and middle-to-older-aged subjects were largely underrepresented, and many of the non-represented subgroups were women. This study identifies potential research gaps as well as targets for equity. Our next article is in alcohol and is titled, On the Critical Need to Investigate the Effect of Alcohol in the Older Population. This literature search examines research on alcohol use in older adults from 2020 to present in an effort to determine what the research community is doing to investigate the effects of alcohol in older adults. The authors conclude that studies on the effects of alcohol on younger populations cannot be extrapolated to older adults. The search also found that alcohol use is elevated among older adults, and among certain subsets, is rising far faster than would be expected. Our final article is titled, They Just Assume That We're All Going to Do the Wrong Thing With It, and is in Open Forum Infectious Diseases. People who inject drugs are at increased risk of serious infections that often require longer periods of intravenous antibiotics through peripherally inserted central catheters. In this study, the authors conducted qualitative interviews of both patients and clinicians to understand their opinions and potential concerns around use of peripherally inserted central catheters. They identified five themes. Number one, the catheters improved healthcare delivery. Number two, that stigma impacted care and access to the catheters. Three, patients recognized that the catheters were potentially risky for some people who inject drugs. Four, that clinicians were very concerned about people who inject drugs having the catheters at discharge. And five, that patient-directed discharges were perceived to increase risk. Understanding these perspectives can support patient-centered care. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.